Hello, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Thanks so much for being here today. If you are just stopping in, right now I'm doing a series of podcasts to introduce you to the folks who wrote chapters for the book that I released at the beginning of the summer called A Tale of Two Trees. But it's not just a book. It's also an album of songs because I'm a singer-songwriter. And I grew up in the days of cassette tapes and CDs, and I used to love to open a CD and slide out the little lyric insert and read the liner notes. Um, And that's kind of where the idea for writing books to go with albums started for me. So I just released album two of a trilogy, and I asked 11 writer friends to each pick a song from the album and write a chapter for what in my mind is kind of like expanded, gigantic liner notes. So this week I'd like to introduce you to my friend Stephen Elmore, who when I asked him if he'd write a responsive essay to a song on A Tale of Two Trees, he chose track number four on the album. Uh, It's a song called Like a Lamb. The theme of this second album in the Well Trilogy is about keeping faith in Jesus during a time of exile or drought. Uh, It's also about navigating a confusing world, a world where very different stories are being put forth about the good life. You know, what is the good life? I remember somebody pointing out that if the central narrative at the core of reality really is survival of the fittest, then things like Might is right. Merciless competition, brutal pragmatism, power grabbing and domineering, those are the best we can realistically hope for. In that system, kindness and humility and things like that have no real justifiable grounds. They'd be unnatural, in fact. On the other hand, If the central narrative at the core of reality is the self-emptying, cruciform love of a three-personed God, then you get a very different picture, don't you? Things like humble self-sacrifice, laying down your life for your friends, hospitality, extending unmerited favor, forgiveness, gentleness, peace, contentment, and trust. These suddenly become natural elements of this world, and their opposites become anti-natural. Jesus came to provide that kind of contrast. He came to say, no, reality is actually born out from a core of loving-kindness, as opposed to a core of brutality and competition. Um, What kind of person created this world? Well, the kind of person who would lay down his life for it. The kind of God who would gladly, without defending himself, silently be led to the slaughter like a lamb. And that lamb is worthy of all praise. 
He's revealing the truth about things. He's telling us what reality is actually like. And if we want to participate in reality, he opens the way, beautifully, through his own crucified body. He says, follow me because this is what life is actually like. And that's what this song, Like a Lamb, is about. As Stephen Elmore points out in his essay, it's about these strange reversals that Christ reveals. Because our imaginations have been so trained by a false vision of reality that is centered on saving our own lives rather than laying them down in the pattern of Christ, which is a pattern that the Trinity has embedded in everything they have lovingly made. So, let me introduce you to Stephen. Stephen Elmore is president of the C.S. Lewis Foundation. He has over 20 years of experience working at nonprofit organizations and educational institutions, including serving um, as a community college adjunct professor in English composition, a software instructor, a GED instructor, a test preparation tutor, and in a wide range of office management and administration roles. His specific skill sets include event management, teaching training, team leadership, program management, writing, communication strategies, strategic planning, and computer technology. And he writes uh, with me for the Cultivating Project, Cultivating Magazine, with Lancia Smith. I first met Stephen back in 2017, uh, the first time I ever attended the C.S. Lewis Foundation's two-week-long conference in England called Oxbridge. That was a really amazing time, and Stephen was running a thousand things behind the scenes, uh, including organizing all the volunteers, and I was one of those volunteers. He was funny, he was kind, he was obviously great at keeping an unbelievable number of plates spinning without any breaking, as far as I saw. And I've enjoyed getting to be around him more and more over the years as I've gotten a little more involved in the C.S. Lewis Foundation, where I also met several of the essayists for this book. By the way, if you're not familiar with the C.S. Lewis Foundation, they really are fantastic. You can check them out at cslewis.org, cslewis.org. And now, actually, Stephen is the president of the foundation, and I'm really excited about all the things they've got going from webinars to retreats to conferences. All that to say, I'm so grateful to Stephen Elmore for taking the time to be a part of this project and for all of his ongoing encouragement in my own work. So, here is Stephen Elmore reading an excerpt from his essay response to the song Like a Lamb, entitled, Sustained by Joy. One Sunday last year, my pastor preached on Philippians chapter 1. In the book, Paul writes from prison to the Philippian church. You might expect a prison letter to be full of pain or anger, but this is far from it. Rather, Paul urges the church members not to be afraid of those who hate them and rejoices that some of the guards are coming to Christ because they see how Paul is reacting to his plight. Paul writes that he will have joy regardless of whether he will be executed or will remain alive. Having relayed this passage, our pastor asked us a question. 
During the last few years, have you witnessed Christians unified in showing the world joy through our suffering? Because he asked it rhetorically, we all knew the answer was negative. Our reaction was muted. I ask you also, in our world, are Christians widely known for being joyful in our suffering? How does Paul maintain a witness of joy? And what even makes that kind of a thing possible? Well, after chapter one of Philippians, we get chapter two, which describes what's really going on at the heart of reality. Jesus is so secure in the abundance of his father's love that he can afford to let go of all status, all defenses. He can afford to be humiliated, suffer, and die in order that the love he has from the father will be made available to all humanity. Paul says that's our situation now. We're in the same position of being cherished by God that enabled Christ to be so free, humble, and joyous. This reminds me of the moment just before Jesus washed his disciples' feet. John tells us that because Jesus knew he had come from God and was going back to God, that he was able to humiliate himself. Jesus knew something that freed him from being ruled by defensiveness, manipulation, and every kind of fearful pride, something that allowed him to suffer well with joy. Later in that same scene, Jesus is emphatic that in the midst of suffering, what he's really sustained by is joy, a joy he intends to pour into those who would follow in his footsteps. If Jesus really does love us, as Paul says later, then we can endure any deprivation without losing joy because of him who strengthens us. However, if we don't know that God really loves us, humility is simply too costly. How can we afford to be vulnerable, weak, and powerless in such a world and time as this? As we journey down the road of our Christian pilgrimage, one of the reversals of expectations on our path is this type of humility and joy in the face of danger and suffering. It is one of the steps of maturity in our faith. There is a joy in Jesus who comforts us in our deadliest, most shadowed valleys. It can dissolve pride and expel fear. It is the face of Christ on the cross. Thanks so much, Stephen. Thank you for being a part of this book and for reading for us today. And now, here is the song that Stephen chose from the album A Tale of Two Trees. It's called Like a Lamb. Pride are just two sides, friend Caesar's tarnished penny But quietness and rest belong to God But who hasn't studied warfare On the battlefield of life here Perfecting self-defense just to survive Cause you know how good it feels, love Scratch the itch of anger silent to the slaughter like a lamb and oh I hear the 
voices of the crowd Grow louder as the buried kernels roots Listen for a music that is and was and will be evermore. Like an acorn to an oak tree, who would ever think it could be that those little lambs might ever rule the world? But the meek will spread their branches above the clamor of the nations. Friends, go find Stephen Elmore at the C.S. Lewis Foundation's website, cslewis.org. They got a fall retreat just outside of Houston, Texas, coming up this October 13th through 15th. And the theme is Faith, Knowing, and the Real in the Silver Chair. 
I'm planning to attend that, and they've got lots of great webinars up for free on their YouTube channel. Uh, and you can get the book, A Tale of Two Trees, on Amazon right now, so that you can read the rest of Stephen's essay, and all of the songs are already streaming wherever you listen to music. Lastly, I'm hitting the road late August for a fall house concert tour. So go to my website, matthewclark.net, and check out the tour dates, and come see me if I'm playing nearby. Or if you'd like to host one, let me know. Maybe I can work it in this fall. I would love to sing these songs in person for you. So come on back next week. I'll be featuring author Jason Smith, who chose the song When I Cried Out, which is inspired by Psalm 40. Um, Yeah, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next time on 1000 Words.